is Camilla, and you're listening to the Cat's Whisker, a time machine for all those who love rock and roll and want to know everything about it. People, stories, and the music that changed the world. In a few words, it doesn't matter whether you've lived through those years or, just like me, you've always wondered what it was like. I have loads of stories to tell and great music to play. So, let's roll! Hello everyone and welcome back to The Cat's Whisker. I am Camilla and I hope you've started 2023 with great resolutions and great music. And most of all, I hope that if you'll bend your resolutions in a few months, at least the great music will stay. Today, as my first episode of 2023, I'd like to introduce you to some crazy tour stories from some of the most famous rock and roll stars. The tour years have always been the craziest ones of the career of possibly every act, especially in the past, but some musicians definitely knocked everyone out of the park. Let's start with one of the bands that probably toured more than any other band in the world, the Rolling Stones. And within the Rolling Stones, I must say that the guy that has the most crazy tour stories is the one and only Keith Richards. I mean, they've been on the road for 60 years, so they've had plenty of time to do some crazy shit. But I found two stories that are quite hilarious. Let's start with the time Richards nearly burned down the Playboy Mansion. I love to think that sometimes when crazy stuff happens, it doesn't really matter if it's his fault, but the pure fact he was present makes him a culprit, of course. When we think of the Playboy Mansion, besides the girls and a cigar smoking nearly always in a bathrobe of Hugh Hefner, what pops into our minds is never-ending pool parties and palm trees. Well, not many know that the first actual Playboy Mansion was in the little less sunny side of the US. Chicago, whose winters, according to the Northwestern University website, sometimes feel even colder than Siberia. A climate that I wouldn't call pool party or even bathrobe friendly in the slightest. So, in 1972, back in the days when the mansion was in Chicago, the Rolling Stones had three gigs at the International Amphitheater. The band was invited to stay at the mansion. Not really attracted to the multiple occasions to get laid, drummer Charlie Watts preferred the game room of the house, whilst his bandmates were keeping themselves busy in other ways. And if you were Keith Richards and saxophonist Bobby Keys, the other ways included doing their tour doctor's drugs in the bathroom. Yeah, you heard me right. Apparently, they had a tour doctor with them at all times. Well, nothing wrong here, but um, yeah, they got him stoned all the time so that they could steal his bag. So, Keith Richards and Bobby Keys are in the bathroom smoking god knows what and even if Keys actually noticed the atmosphere getting a bit smoky and Richards admitted that the bathroom was so foggy that he couldn't even see the saxophonist's face it wasn't until the house staff armed with buckets of water started banging at the bathroom door where they found the two sitting on the floor their eyeballs incredibly pinned that the two thought mm, maybe something's up interestingly enough Richards wasn't happy about the interruption and shouted, How dare you burst in on our private affair to the people who saved his life? As you do, naturally. 
But the anecdote that literally made me wish reality shows were a thing back then, and that obviously there was one about Keith Richard, is about when Richards became an Australian suburban middle-aged dad for a few days. The man had to literally try every experience he could, from the near-death experiences to wiping a stranger's baby's bum. Funnily enough, this all happened just a year after the Playboy Mansion incident. During their tour in the land down under, Richards meets a woman that he nicknamed Sheila in his autobiography but later discovered to be called Karen, a single mom that had access to pharmaceutical drugs, specifically cocaine. She was able to get very big quantities for the band, especially for Richards, in a few days of their layover in Melbourne. The deliveries, though, were very chaotic. When no one could babysit her baby, Karen was driven around in a limo to get the drugs and then deliver them to the Stones Hotel. At some point, the very thoughtful Richard said, This is stupid, you and the kid having to come back to the hotel all the time. I'll come stay at your place. And so he did. Keith Richards moved for what he said a week, but probably just a few days, in a small house in the suburbs of Melbourne. This is what he had to say on the matter. Living in the suburbs of Melbourne for a week with a mother and child was kind of weird. Within four or five days, I was like a right Australian old man. Sheila, where's my fucking breakfast? Here's your breakfast, darling. Uh, okay, calm down, maybe? It was like I'd been there forever, and it felt great, man. I can do this, just a little semi-detached. I take care of the baby, she went to work. I was husband for the week. Changed the baby's diapers. There's someone in the suburb of Melbourne who doesn't even know I wiped his ass. Oh well, that's a first, I guess. And talking about people that nearly died, it was a very close call for Tony Hicks in 1964. The Hollies were performing at the NME Paul Winners concert at Wembley Stadium. The crowd was absolutely wild and getting out of there without anyone getting hurt seemed impossible. As the band tries to fight its way out, a girl grabs Tony Hicks' knitted tie, and as she pulled it, the tie got tighter and tighter around the lead guitarist's neck. Luckily, the Hollies manager promptly intervened, cutting the tie with a pair of scissors. I don't know why this guy was able to access a pair of scissors that quickly, but I'm certainly glad he did. And I'm not surprised in a way, because apparently the band must have been quite tall smart since the beginning. Because Tony Hicks, in fact, stated that in one of the gigs that they did during their early days, they got to the venue and got the best welcome a touring star could ever ask for. A hammer, boxes, nails, and a pretty sadistic owner that just told them that if they wanted to play, they had to build their own stage. I bet that man spent the rest of his life telling the story of when he taught DIY to the Hollies. Definitely though, if there was a prize for the craziest tour stories, it would belong to The Who. And while the whole band is well known for being quite over the top, it was Keith Moon, often nicknamed Moon Daloon, who always managed to knock it out of the park. He was like Jessica Fletcher in Murder, She Wrote. Just like her presence meant that someone was about to die, Anywhere Keith Moon went, meant something crazy was about to happen. So buckle up, it's gonna be a bumpy ride. The Who are very famous not only for being an amazing and talented band, but also for their edgy performances that usually ended up with their instruments literally being smashed to pieces on stage. I know they wanted to be edgy, but every time I see music being destroyed, I feel in physical pain. 
Trashing every place they could became so much of an obsession that the funniest stories come from moments when they weren't even performing. And naturally, during the touring years, while fans were deliriously happy about witnessing their show, hotel managers weren't as ecstatic when the Who made a booking. It didn't take long before the band got a certain reputation, thanks to Keith Moon. Just like the wet bandits in Home Alone left the water running in the houses they would burgle, um, Moon's signature move was stashing explosives down hotel toilets. He started in 1965 with cherry bombs and the situation quickly escalated, making dynamite sticks and fireworks travel essentials. Seeing the shattered porcelain flying through the air always left him mesmerized. And well, also made sure that they weren't kicked out of any hotel they set their feet in. And when he wasn't throwing explosive down the toilet, he always tried to find other ways to keep himself entertained. From the night Mick Jagger woke up in his room in LA to find Keith Moon dressed as Batman, to the time he asked Pete Townsend to help him stick his waterbed into the elevator of their hotel in Copenhagen. But that time things didn't go as planned, obviously. The bed broke and foot-high waves started erupting from the room and down the hallway. And you know, what did he think? All these pranks were already costing a fortune to the band, so this time he decided to get smart. Moon called the hotel manager to complain about his waterbed popping and that all his stage clothes were soaked, oh my god! And the apologetic manager offered him the presidential suite to make up for the unfortunate issue. Well, thank you very much, that's very nice of you. Moon was delighted, in fact, and quickly moved to the luxurious room and that same night he completely destroyed the presidential suite as well. Another very famous story has to be the very reason why The Who have been banned from every single Holiday Inn in the world. I must admit that probably since the story is so famous, I'm not sure whether it's true or not, but it's absolutely not, so I think you should hear it if you don't know it already. The setting of this ridiculous anecdote is Flint, Michigan. The date is August 1967, Keith Moon's 21st birthday. For this reason, his room was stacked to the ceiling with birthday cakes. And this, naturally, if you're Keith Moon, inevitably calls for a food fight that literally redecorated the whole hotel. But that was just the beginning. Moon's friends then pushed him out of the hotel while he wasn't wearing any pants to see how long it would have taken to get him arrested. Very nice friends. <laughs> After being caught, of course, as the Who drummer tried to get back inside a hotel, he tripped and fell on his face, breaking his two front teeth. And again, that's not it. Later that night, apparently fire alarms were set off and the piano was destroyed. Here's when the story blends in with the legend though. Apparently at some point, Moon, who didn't even own a driving license, allegedly stole a brand new Lincoln Continental from the car park and drove it inside the hotel swimming pool. This story though has been disputed a lot over the years. Something else certainly happened though. Not tired of driving cars without a driving license and especially in places where you shouldn't drive cars, just a year after the Flint incident, Moon drove a Rolls Royce into the lobby of an apartment building in London. He apologized, stating that he thought he was driving him to a car park. My favorite story though involves the Who missing a plane, and the reason why they missed said plane. Moon was in a car with Pete Townsend as the band was on its way to the airport. All of a sudden, Moon exclaimed, Oh my god, I forgot something. We have to go back to my hotel room. So they make a U-turn and they rush back. I know what you're thinking. Did he forget his wallet? Did he forget his passport? 
But that's probably what crossed Pete Townsend's mind as well as he was waiting in the car, afraid they wouldn't make their flight. Cut to a few minutes later, when Moon runs out of the hotel carrying a TV set, throws it into the swimming pool, runs back in the car and says, Phew! I nearly forgot! After these extreme stories, I need to balance out the craziness with softer anecdotes. Because I know, for example, that Led Zeppelin often tried to emulate what The Who did in an attempt to be the edgiest band on the scene, but I'm sorry, no one will ever be as nuts as Keith Moon. Ozzy Osbourne, maybe? But no one else. So, as I was saying, the final stories of today involve the greatest rock and roll band of all time. The Beatles. During the early stages of their career, the band lived and performed in Hamburg, Germany for several months. Their accommodation was absolutely horrendous, tiny, dirty, and apparently the room didn't even have a light. During the day, the Beatles were playing multiple shows at both the Indra and the Kaiser Keller Club, owned by Bruno Koschminer, the very same person that was providing them with the sumptuous room as long as they would remain loyal to the Kaiser Keller. So when the top 10 club offered them more money to play there on their nights off, the kind Koschminer kicked them out. Not only that, the absolutely not spiteful Koschminer also run to the police to inform them that George Harrison was underage, causing the guitarist immediate deportation to England. The rest of the band stayed in Hamburg and decided to move to an attic above the top 10. And it was during the moving that Paul McCartney and former drummer Pete Best really got into trouble. When the two went to their old place to collect their belongings, the room was so dark they couldn't even see what was inside. So since, as we said, there was no light, the two decided to set different things on fire in order to illuminate the room. As you do, obviously. Between the things the two geniuses were burning was a pack of latex condoms. That apparently worked a treat. They decided to light them one by one. Until one leaves a little scorch mark on the wall. When our friend, famous for never holding grudges, Koshmina later walked in the room and saw the small mark, he rubbed his hands together and went to the police, obviously. I have the feeling everyone at the station rolled their eyes when they saw him step him. Like, oh no, not him again. Well, the police were now on the case and without many explanations put Best and McCartney in jail for one night and on a plane to London right after, leaving the two, who didn't speak German, very confused. My last crazy story for today is absolutely mental, not because of drug use or for illegal stunts, but because it is purely nuts. The Beatles took their last tour to the Philippines, where in the summer of 1966 they played two shows in the capital, Manila. As soon as the band arrived, the first lady, Imelda Marcos, invited them to the palace for a party in their honor. Brian Epstein declined, stating that the Beatles weren't participating to official government events whilst on tour. The first lady was flabbergasted. How dare they reject her invitation? I'm pretty sure that if she could have declared war to the UK, she would have. But since she couldn't, she made the rest of the Beatles stay a proper nightmare. On the morning of their last day there, Brian Epstein was greeted by a man in a suit carrying a briefcase containing the bill for the income tax due on the Beatles' fee. Epstein was confused. Contractually, the taxes are the promoter's prerogative, not the band's. The man in a suit protested, insisting on collecting the money, and to make sure the band would make it alive out of the country, Epstein settled the issue. Nevertheless, Filipino newspapers headline Beatles sold, 
pay now, leave later, or furore over Beatles snub dampens show, and Imelda suit up, first family waits in vain for mop heads. From that moment on, no one would talk to them. The staff in the hotel would stop answering their questions and their security was removed from duty. The band and the roadies had to carry all their belongings, including heavy music gear, to the airport on their own. After leaving the hotel, Paul McCartney in his pure PR man style took part in a radio show where he tried to explain that the Beatles didn't want to offend anyone and that in fact they weren't even aware of a lunch party being held. The band then proceeded to go to the airport and there the nightmare continued. To make their escape, because that's what it became even more uncomfortable, the airport manager shut down the escalators. No one would help them. People, in fact, including airport workers, would surround them, jostle them, beat them, and yell at them while they were waiting to board the plane. There was no solution but to run for their lives. Trying to shield John, George, Paul and Ringo, manager Brian Epstein was punched in the face and kicked in the groin. The chauffeur, Alf Bicknell, suffered a fractured rib and spinal injury. Poor roadie, Mal Evans though, was the bravest of them all. After being kicked in the ribs, he tripped and fell on the floor, but he still pushed himself on the tarmac to make it to the plane, while blood was still rushing down his leg. As soon as the plane took off, the whole party broke into a spontaneous applause. I really, really hope you enjoyed these stories. Frankly, there were so many to choose from and it was very, very hard, especially the Keith Moon ones. So if you know any other story, please let me know because I absolutely love this topic. And maybe in the future, I'll actually talk about all those rock stars that have a very, very, very weird and crazy behavior. So let me know what you think. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram at the Cat's Whisker Podcast and on TikTok at the Cat's Whisker if you want to see more vintage related content and always be updated on when I'm going to publish my podcast. And thank you very much for listening and I'll see you next week. Ciao!